Welcome to the OKC First podcast. Together, we're learning to do three things. Friendship with God. Friendship with one another. And open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. weeks ago, I went to the gym at the Sawyer Center on the SNU campus to do my daily one-hour walk. I usually walk outside uh, in our neighborhood, but the roads were so um, icy, the sidewalks, snowy. I didn't want to slip and fall and break a bone, so I walked inside. Um, as, I, I, as I was making my first round <clears throat> on the second floor where there's a track to walk on, I ran into a friendly custodian who was working there. Uh, he began a conversation with me asking me what my name was and so on. So I told him who I was and that, <coughs> that <coughs> excuse me, that I was a retired faculty member. He asked me what I taught <coughs> and I told him. Um, he asked me if he, could, if he could pick my brain for a little while and I agreed. He asked me if the Church of the Nazarene had a particular position about biblical prophecy. I couldn't think of a particular position that the church had about biblical prophecy. I told him so. He said he grew up in an independent church that believed in biblical prophecy and later he married a girl who grew up in the Nazarene church and that they attended the Nazarene church here in the metro area. And he went on to tell me that biblical prophecy predicts that everything that's happening in Israel today and what Israel is doing in Gaza is all according to biblical prophecy. I told him I did not see it quite the same way that he did. Um, I did not understand the role of Israel as a nation today in the context of scripture. Well, the conversation went on for about 40 minutes. <laughs> and finally I told him I needed to do my walk and we went our separate ways. I wonder how many Nazareans uh, there are today who have that sort of understanding of biblical prophecy as a justification to support everything that this one nation Israel does, even if it means killing over 20,000 people in Gaza 
that's part of biblical prophecy. If there are varying positions in the church on a particular issue, can we still be part of the same church? In recent months and years, we have seen quite a few churches disaffiliate with the United Methodist Church over the issue of LGBTQ. And even in our church, we have seen and heard of occasions such as a pastor in California who had his ministerial credentials taken away because of some of the positions he took on the issue of human sexuality and same-sex marriages and so on. Can we be part of a faith group but have varying positions on this or that issue? This year is an election year in the United States. Who will you vote for, Donald Trump or Joe Biden? Can two people be loving members of a church but go their separate ways when it comes to political, theological, social, whatever sorts of issues that we face in our day and time? Can followers of Jesus Christ sit at the same table and still have differing perspectives on this or that issue? That brings us to Paul's statements in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 that we heard a moment ago. People in the Corinthian church did not see matters eye to eye. Throughout the book of 1 Corinthians, we find so many different issues in this book that Paul addresses that the Corinthians were not on the same page on. It was a divided congregation on so many matters. In this chapter, the issue is whether a Christian could eat food that had been offered to idols. One group said, oh, it was okay. Um, after all, idols are nothing, and there is only one God, so what difference does it make if this meat or whatever was offered to an idol? But then there were others in the congregation who felt that their conscience would not allow them to eat anything that had been offered to, to these gods that are not gods. How can two groups with opposing points of view be part of the same congregation, a Christian congregation? Should they become two separate groups or congregations? Paul clearly says that the stronger group that has a more enlightened view of things and feel free to eat any kind of food, to be careful that their liberty 
does not become a stumbling block to those who are weak. Now, I know that's not a, a real issue for us today, living in this culture about food offering, uh, being offered to idols, but I do remember a time some years ago when I was teaching at Taiwan Nazarene Theological College, a student whose parents were practicing Buddhists told me that her parents would like to have us over for dinner at their house. But she gave me a word of caution. The food that we would have would have gone through a ceremony of dedication of the food to Buddhist or Taoist deities. Would, would we still accept the invitation to go to their home for dinner? I told her, yes, we would be honored to accept the invitation. And so we went and had a delicious meal in a Buddhist home and a delightful conversation with our host. Did I do the right thing? Did we do the right thing? Some people might say, no, you did not do the right thing. I hope I did the right thing. The call of God to us in Christ is to practice unity in the midst of diversity. That is what Paul is calling the Corinthian Christians and all of us to practice, to be a loving, nurturing, supportive community, even if we may be in this camp or that camp, in this enclave or that enclave, in this political party or that political party, whether we support war or against any kind of war, whether we support or oppose abortion under any circumstance and no matter where we stand when it comes to issues of gender relationships. Paul's understanding of God's ways in Jesus Christ is to be one body in Christ. Now, that doesn't mean that it's all relative. It doesn't mean there are no absolutes. It doesn't mean anything is okay, anything goes. But what it means is that even if my brother or sister is advocating something that I see as being contrary to the gospel of Christ, my responsibility is to go to him or her and have a loving and nurturing, but also an honest conversation. As it's often been said, we must learn how to disagree agreeably. In a later chapter in 1 Corinthians, in chapter 10, Paul was still on the topic of food offered to idols. But now there is a new twist to this whole matter of disagreeing agreeably. Here are Paul's words. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience, 
for the earth and its fullness are all the Lord's. Well, we know where Paul stands on that issue. I can eat that meat that has been offered to whatever uh, pagan uh, god in the temple or wherever. If an unbeliever invites you to a meal and you are disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it out of consideration for the one who informed you and for the sake of conscience. I mean the other's conscience, not your own. For why should my liberty be sub subject to the judgment of someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why should I be denounced because of that for which I give thanks? So, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, so that they may be saved. I read a little story that a biblical theologian by the name Ron Allen tells. He says that when he was growing up, he knew of a congregation that had two groups. One group believed that the use of alcohol was sub-Christian. The other group thought that they were free to use alcohol. There came a day when that church sponsored a trip to the Holy Land and members of both groups on that trip, the group that was against the use of alcohol and the group that uh, drank alcohol went on that, uh, on that trip to the Holy Land. When they were there, the group that was against the use of alcohol refused to sit at the supper table with members of the drinking group. Ren Allen makes the comment that those who permitted the use of alcohol could easily have decided not to have a drink for the sake of the others. I don't know what the outcome was, but the question before us is this. Is it possible to hold on to our deepest convictions and still be kind, gracious, considerate, and friendly toward a sister or brother who sees things differently? I hope our answer is a definite yes. It doesn't mean that we're being wishy-washy. It doesn't mean that there are no absolutes or co deep convictions, but maybe what it means is that the greatest absolute of all absolutes is to, to put into practice the way of love that we find in Jesus Christ. 
going yet to another chapter in 1 Corinthians, the well-known chapter 13, the love chapter of the Bible. Paul says some beautiful words that are very challenging. He says, love is patient, love is kind, love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Going back to chapter 8, our lectionary passage for today. Paul ends that chapter by saying this, if food is a cause of their falling, I will never eat meat so that I may not cause one of them to fall. Paul certainly celebrated his freedom in Christ, but he is also saying that he would not use his freedom if it causes someone to fall and lose their faith in Christ. And that is Christ's call to us today. Jesus Christ calls us to live a life of freedom, but a freedom that can choose to forego certain liberties for the sake of a loving relationship with others in the body of Christ. In a divisive and contentious culture such as ours, we are called to be the church of Jesus Christ that demonstrates a spirit of mutual love and harmony with one another even when we may not see everything eye to eye. May God grant us the grace to learn how to be the people of God in our day and time. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.